you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. a series called New. We're looking through uh, chapters three and four of the book of Colossians. We got through uh, the first two chapters in Colossians uh, from about the beginning of the school year and led us till Christmas. And now uh, we're in the second two chapters, which are going to lead us all the way until Easter. So if you've got a Bible uh, and, and you want to follow along because you don't trust preachers, you think I'm going to make stuff up and just make up words in there that aren't really in there, which let's be real, I'm dyslexic. I might do that anyways. Um, but uh, you, you, can, you can go ahead and turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 9. We're going to read through verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We have the Giant Sky Bible, so you can make sure I'm reading the right words there as well. Uh, follow along on that. If you have a glowing rectangle in your pocket, you can probably get a Bible on that too. Uh, but for those of us who still believe in, in these old school printed versions, they make this noise. I like that noise. Um, we're going to go ahead and read this together, and then we're going to jump right in. Um, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 9, says this. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. Everybody say old self. Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Everybody say new self. The new self, which is being, re- which is being renewed. It is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, therefore, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, and I'm gonna go with Scythian. Anybody wanna argue with me on that one? You can later. I'm gonna go with Scythian, just because I am. That's what I'm gonna go with. Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, we're gonna come back to that, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if, I love that he says if, if, If one has a complaint against another, as if, if, if one has another, not when, if, forgive each other, he says. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I'm going to read that last verse again because it's just so good. And you you guys were so soaking in how good it was you forgot to say amen at that that verse. Okay, so I'm going to read it one more time. Give you another chance. It's okay. We'll edit it out. It's fine. And above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. All right, you're doing better. Holy Spirit, we we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you call us. Lord, you call us to yourself. You call us to one another. You you call us to be reconciled to you. And so, God, we we come this morning excited to to be with you, excited to encounter you, excited to uh, hear what it is that you have to say to us. Lord, Lord, I, I pray that... The work that you've done in my heart as I've saturated myself in this passage this last week, Lord, that you would do it in the hearts of those that are here as well, that you would speak to us from your word, you would deliver to us, God, a a powerful and profound, a significant word that we need not just to kind of hear and to, to, uh, to, to 
just listen to, but God, a word that would impart life to us, that would cut through all the noise and cut through all the barriers and cut through all the distraction and go right to the heart of who we are and who you are, that you would transform us by the hearing of your word and that we would be renewed, that that new process would would expand a little bit today because of what it is that we hear and receive today. Let us leave this place being obedient to what we hear, that you might be glorified, that we might know the joy that is ours in you more fully this week than we did last week. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't just praying that to pray. This passage, as I've kind of saturated myself in it, um, has, has really shifted and reshaped a lot in my heart over the last um, week, and, and, and I'm excited to see it do that in you this morning. Um, it's funny because a lot of people, they'll hear a message I preach, and I'll, I'll get this, man, that was, a, that was a really hard message to hear. And, and my sort of default response to it is not just trying to be funny. It's, it's, well, it was a lot harder to preach. And that is because I have to saturate myself in these things for the week leading up to when you get to hear about it. So I've had to hear it a whole lot more times than you. This week, hopefully, isn't a hard week uh, to hear because it was, it was a joy to preach. This week, if you're taking notes in the booklets that we gave you, if you don't have a booklet, you can go get one of guest services. They're over there. But if you're taking notes, we gave you a spot to put a title. Title this week is New People. The series is about new. The series is about how the, 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 the person and work of Jesus transforms everything. Amen? It changes everything. It alters everything, and it's making us new. If, if I was going to summarize today's message, and, and I don't have, for those of you who love slides, you're going to be really bummed today because I don't have a lot of them, but I have a few, um, and this is one of the two. Um, this, if I was going to summarize the, this passage and the message today, here's what I would say. God is building new people into a new people who make new people. clear as mud. God is building new people into a new people who make new people. That's, that's what this passage, I believe, is all about. It's, it's this process of us becoming new people who are built together as a new people who then reach people who are made into new people. You following along with me? Are you awake this morning? All right, so, so we're, we're, just gonna, we're just gonna go through this today and, and walk through this passage and, and see what I mean. Verse nine says, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. Why is this so important? Paul's, Paul's just gone through, uh, you, know, you know, talking to us about, about embracing who Christ is and about abandoning the former life that we used to have and the things that are killing us to kill the things that are killing us. And, and then all of a sudden, it would appear to me, reading through the passage, if you go back and you read through the whole thing, starting at verse one, it almost seems like he's taking a left turn in verse nine and just go, oh, and, and don't lie to one another. I would propose to you that the reason why he says this is that the, 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 the propensity of, of human people, of, of fallen man, the propensity of mankind is to hide. We, we like to hide from one another and from God. We see this from the very beginning. So God creates all things good and perfect. He puts us in a, in, in a garden filled with all good things. He puts a husband and a wife there and, and, and sets them to their purpose of tending the garden and enjoying one another. Can I get an amen from some married people? And, and he puts them there. And the moment we, we sin, the moment our, our great, 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 great grandparents sin, Adam and Eve, the moment they decide to say, you know what? God told us what was good and what was evil, but we would rather pick for ourselves what is good and evil. Come on. I'd rather pick that for myself so we eat, the Bible says, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, choosing for ourselves what is good and evil. And the moment that happens, the first thing they realize is that they're naked. And so they, they sow fig leaves to cover their nakedness, which, by the way, proves that sin corrupts 
God's perfect intention for sex doesn't make it better. Because you got a husband and wife alone and naked, and the first thing they think is we should put on clothes. Something's wrong there. My son's very embarrassed right now. That, that's, what, that, that's, that's what sin does. It, it causes us to hide from one another. But then they hear what must have been the most beautiful sound they could hear, which was the sound of God walking in his garden in the cool of the day, coming to hang out with them. And the first thing they do, rather than engage with them, is hide from him. The, the natural propensity of fallen man is to hide, both from God and from one another. And lying is simply trying to hide when no one knows you're hiding. To, hide, to lie is to hide without anybody knowing you're hiding. Well, I'll just, I'll act like I'm being honest. I'll act like I'm being open. I'll act like I'm not wearing fig leaves. I'll just wear, I'll just wear flesh-toned fig leaves. Come on. To lie is to try to hide without anybody knowing. Lying is wearing a mask because we think we need to wear a mask to be accepted. We think I have to hide to be accepted. I wonder what went through Adam and Eve's mind. Like, like maybe if we hide in this bush, God won't know we're here. He made the bush. Like, he knows everything. But we, we hide and think that somehow we're, we're going to get away with it. And the gospel is a call back into relationship, both with God, we hear that a lot, but also with one another. It's reversing the curse of the fall. It's saying, yes, you, you restored back into right relationship with God, but also we are called back into right relationship with one another where we don't have to wear masks. Come on, this church is a, is a church shaped by the gospel, amen? Therefore, this should be a mask-free zone where you don't have to feel like you gotta put on a mask to try to make yourself appear better than you really are. You, you gotta kind of fake it till you make it. That's, that's not the message of the gospel, the gospel says you, you, you do not require a mask to be accepted. You can come in, come on, as the old song said, just as you are. Any, any kids went to Baptist church when they were a kid? Come on, heard it every Sunday. Come just as you are. It's, it's true, though. See, in contrast to this idea that the fall gives us that we have to wear masks is Jesus who never asks us to be something we're not. He never calls us to say we're something we're not. Say, well, well, what do you mean? He says, confess your sin. That just means agree with God about your sin. They say the first step to getting help is admitting you have a problem. I think that's some of what's going on here, but I think a better reality of it is this. If I hand you a map, come on, and tell you to get somewhere, but you don't know where you are, you're not gonna get there. Right? That's why we all love GPS. It's not just because it tells us any place in the world. It's because it tells us where we are and how to get there from where we are. Confession is about admitting where you are so you can get to where you need to go. Confession is, is us agreeing with reality. A confession of our current reality is not a condemnation, come on, but a liberation. It's admitting where we are so that we can get to where God's called us to be. And because of the finished work of Jesus, we don't need to hide from God and we don't need to lie to each other. Well, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Because of the finished and final work of Jesus, we don't need to hide from God and we don't need to lie to each other. That's a good place to say amen. See, Christianity is not about hiding. We say this a lot. It's not about hiding. It's about home. It's not about hiding. It's about home. It's about finding your home first and foremost in Jesus or he's my home. What do, what do I mean by home? Let's define it. We mean peace, we mean place, and we mean purpose. 
I find all of that in Jesus. I don't find that anywhere else. I find my peace. I don't have to strive for it. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. Come on, because we're going to get to this. You can't earn it, by the way. You can't earn it, so, so we, we, we need to come to peace, come to rest, come to stability in him. From that place of stability, we find our place. He said in, in the Gospels, I, if I go, if I leave you, I go to prepare a place for you. It's in finding our place that we find out who we really are. My kids all have a room in my house. It's my house, but it's their room. And it's their room, it's, 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 it's filled with their stuff. When, when, when Jesus has prepared a place for us, knowing us better than we know ourselves, and he puts us there, it's for our own discovery so we can know who the heck we are. And then from that place, come on, we find our purpose. So many people are trying to do this backwards. Well, if I, if I work hard enough, then maybe I can know who I am, and if I know who I am, I can be at peace. And how's that working for you? It doesn't work for you. That's a broken system. The, the right way is to be at peace first. Come on, receive peace from him. From that place of peace, I know who I am. From knowing who I am, I know what I'm called to do. Are you with me? Are you with me this morning? All right. Christianity is not about hiding, it's about home. Verses nine and 10. So he goes on here to talk about the old nature and the new nature, the old self and the new self. He says, put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed. So the new is being renewed. So old, catch this please, old is about practice. New is about process. Old is about practice. New is about process. Practice, I love this, I looked it up. Practice is a repeated performance. Practice is a repeated performance. The old you is just a repeated performance you learned from somebody else. It's repeated. You do it over and over and over and over and over again. But it's just a performance. See, we think, well, I can't let go of this. It's who I am. No, it's not. That's just a repeated performance you've learned to do over the years. Once again, let's Dr. Phil that for a second. How's that working for you? How's that working out? It's just a repeated performance we've learned to do. Some of us, that, that, that means it's a repeated sin cycle that we've learned to do. We've, we've thought this would fulfill us. We thought this would satisfy us. We thought it would, it would do good. When it didn't, we thought, well, we just need to do it more. We just need to have better. We just need to expand that the experience will satisfy. And the reality is the experience never satisfied. For some of us, it was sin that was our regular, repeated performance. That was our practice of the old self. For some of us, it was religious. We, we grew up in church and it was, it was, this is the way you do it. This, right? It's the, it's the line. You walk the line. It's the straight line. You do the line. None of this. If you're this, learn this. So your repeated performance was, I'll just keep doing the thing and I'll just, this is, this is what you do. And Paul here is saying, look, you, you've got to abandon the old practice, the repeated performance. Well, if, if the old is about a repeated performance, the new is a process. And the process is about progressive transformation. It says it is being renewed. It is being renewed. It is being renewed. See, some of us, we're, we're worried because, well, we're not as new as we would like to be. But the problem with new is that it's always new. Can I, can I put it to you this way? The new you is, a, is, is, is new compared to the old you. And that was really deep for some of you. Like, wow. But the, the new you is supposed to become the newer you. And the newer you 
is supposed to become the new you. And the new you is supposed to become the new the, the newer you, it's supposed to, it's, it's always, are you, are you following this? It's always a progression. It's not about, come on, we say this a lot. It's not about perfection, it's about progress. It's I'm being renewed. The old me was about just repeating the same practice over and over and over again. So much so, come on, some of you believe what you practice. You practiced it for so long. The performance you did and repeated so many times, you've actually believed it yourself. You've done such a good job of performing, you believe it. But the reality is the new you is being ever transformed. It's, it's taking off the old and putting on the new. But, but the problem is we believe this is transactional rather than transformational. We think, well, well, me putting off the old qualifies me for putting on the new. No, he qualifies you to put on the new. I believe Paul here is, is separating two things that happen simultaneously so that we understand it better. The, the putting off of the old happens as we put on the new. It's, it's one thing that's happening together. Don't fall into the thought that says, well, if I take off the old, then he'll help me put on the new. That, that, I love you, it doesn't work. We're called to put on the new. As we put on the new, the old comes off, amen? So how does, this, how does this process happen? Well, I would propose to you from this text, from verse 10, which is being renewed in knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. We are renewed not through, not through the passing of time, but through intimacy. We are renewed not through the passing of time, but through intimacy. This is why you, you can have somebody who's, who's walked with the Lord for 30 years and not be as renewed as somebody who might have only walked with the Lord for 30 minutes. This is why some of us were far more renewed after 30 minutes of walking with the Lord than we are after 30 years of walking with the Lord because intimacy has diminished. You say, you're saying intimacy, it said knowledge. The word in Greek, knowledge, comes from actually a Hebrew word that means to know. Do a little PG-13, it's marital intimacy is what he's talking about. Mary and Joseph did not know one another until after Jesus was born. It's that kind of intimacy that he's talking about here. Growth does not happen when you fill, oh, I'm gonna. Growth does not happen when you fill your head with statistics but rather when the reality of who he is floods your mind so fully that it wins your heart. Growth does not happen when you fill your head with statistics, but rather when the reality of who he is so floods your mind that it wins your heart. I'm not against learning. I don't know if y'all haven't figured that out yet. Like I love study, I love learning, but the goal is not to just fill our heads with truth and knowledge and statistics about God but rather to, to see him so clearly, to, to, to fill our minds so fully with the reality of who he is that it wins our hearts and wins our affection toward him. The goal is an intimate encounter with him. Growth happens not through the ex examination of information, but through the impartation of intimacy. The, the example for this to me is, is uh, did anybody grow up in the 80s and collect baseball cards? Talking to some friends about this the other night. Anybody collect baseball cards when you were a kid? We all thought they were gonna send us to college because they were worth like a million dollars back then and then everybody realized, oh, they're dumb. And now they're worth nothing. Um, 
except for the memories we carry with them. A baseball card will tell you lots of statistics about a player, but it won't tell you anything about who he is. And we have a bunch of Christians walking around with baseball card knowledge of Jesus, but never played the game with him. And, and I feel like what, what, where we need to move, come on, as a people, is, is away from just learning statistics about him and, and instead engaging with him. Engaging with him, being, being intimately connected with him. This is the primary reason why we can't afford to wear masks. Why I think Paul starts with, don't lie to each other. Stop wearing masks with one another. Stop hiding from one another. Because listen to me, there can be no genuine intimacy when, when there is lying, when there's deception, when there's hiding. True intimacy requires genuine honesty. Where we've got to get genuinely honest with, come on, with God, but also with one another. This has to be a place where we can be honest with one another about the renewing process that's happening in our lives. Come on. It's not about condemning ourselves to where we are and, well, I'm just kind of stuck here and things are just miserable. That's, that's not what it's about. But it's about being honest about where we are in the process of renewal and exchange. Listen to me, intimacy, intimacy is costly, intimacy is dangerous, and intimacy is awesome. Can I get an amen from some married people? It's costly. It'll cost you. It'll cost you time. It'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll cost you your reputation. It'll cost you friends. You'll start getting honest with people, and people who are wearing masks don't like to be around people who aren't wearing masks because it challenges you with the mask that you wear. You'll get around honest people. If you're a mask wearer, you get around honest people, their face moves and yours doesn't. There's variance in who they are and there's not in you. There's life in them and there's not in you. It'll cost you. It's dangerous. You, you, it, it <laughs> I'm the only one who's ever had somebody be like, how you doing? And you're like, you really wanna know? And they're like, yeah. And you tell them and then they're like, <laughs> you stop getting text messages. <laughs> stop getting phone calls. Like, we should have dinner. And they're like, I lost your text message. <laughs> I didn't get it. I, I got a new phone. <laughs> Same number? Maybe. I don't I've got, well, I think somebody's calling me and I got to go. Like, it's dangerous. It, it's, it's costly. It's dangerous. But listen, it's awesome. It's what you were designed for. Can I get an amen? Come on. Here's, here's, where, here's where I hear, though. Being honest, being open, being transparent, being real, whatever term you want to call it, which, by the way, I just got to say this real fast because I've, I've worked with teenagers for too long. Being real doesn't mean being a jerk. I had a group of interns once that that was their saying all the time. They would just be horrible to one another and they go, well, hey man, I'm just being real. No, you're just being a punk. Like, uh, so that's, that's just free. That's extra on the side. Um, some people will say, well, hey, it's just not my personality to be like that. I'm just not a very open person. Just not really, I'm not really into the whole, like, that sort of thing. It's just not kind of who I am. It's not how I'm wired. God created me, and, you know, that's just not how he made me. That's great. Verse 12, verse 11. Here there is no Greek Jew circumcised, uncircumcised. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me bottle up what he's trying to say here for you. Your background does not exclude you. It is not an excuse for you. 
All those things that he's talking about in verse 11 are all of the backgrounds that these people came from. So your race, your religion, your religious background, your personality type, which is literally what he means by barbarian and Scythian, those are, there's two different ways. Those are wild, crazy people, and Scythian are, is, a, is sort of, a, it's actually kind of funny. It's sort of a derogatory term. It's a, it's a, it's a city region, a region in a city uh, in that part of the world that the people there were kind of known as being jerks. So Paul is literally using like slang to talk about a personality type. You say, like, I don't care what you're, listen, you, you're called together to not lie to each other, to not deceive one another. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your personality type is. The new you, listen to me, is not just a better version of the old you. It's a new you. That was really deep. We think new just means a fresh coat of paint. But the new you is a new you. It's a utterly redesigned you. It's not just an improvement on the old. It's not just a painting on the rust. The, what, what, what do I mean? What, what am I t- the Bible does not call us, well, here, here's the thing. Psalms. Shout to the Lord, all ye extroverted people. Do the work of an evangelist if you're outgoing. Rejoice in the Lord all the times that you feel like it. And again, I say, rejoice in the Lord all the times you feel like it. Anybody picking up on the errors in the scriptures that I'm reading? Shout to the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Well, that's not my personality type. Do the work of an evangelist. Well, I don't really like people. They probably don't like you either. Rejoice in the Lord always. That, that, many of you who've hung around the church for a while might know this, but some of you might not. The song we sang, It Is Well, it's an old hymn. It was written by a guy who had lost his entire family trying to pursue the purposes of God in his life because, you know, the safest place to be is the center of God's will. <laughs> he lost his whole family. They died in a shipwreck, and he when he was traveling back across that same ocean, when the captain had told him, hey, we're, we're about at the place where the last ship went down, is when he penned that song, it is well with my soul. See, our call has nothing to do with our background. It has nothing to do with your emotional state at the time. People say, oh, you... People tell me all the time, like, you really, man, you really have a passion for worship. No, I have a passion for Jesus and doing what he's called me to do. Worship is just one of the ways that he's given us to do that. Are you hearing me? Our background has nothing to do with it. But let, let me turn this a little bit in a different way. Where you come from, somebody needs to hear this this morning, where you come from has nothing to do with where God can take you. Where you come from has nothing to do with where God can take you. His eternal purpose for you is not limited by your earthly performance for him. His eternal purpose, that he is working out in the temporal world in which we live, is not limited by your earthly performance for him. What what God does has nothing to do with what he has. He, He saved the world with a baby. 
One, one of the ways that I see this in the, in the Gospels, I absolutely love this. So I'm gonna, let's see how well I do with numbers right now. So if I have my numbers correct in my head, Jesus fed the 5,000 with four loaves. And then when he, when he feeds the 4,000, he has seven loaves. But Jesus, you did that wrong. What's he trying to show us? It doesn't matter what he starts with. He can do whatever he desires to do. So your, your personality type is irrelevant. Just do what he said to do. You say, well, I only have four loaves. How can I feed 5,000 people? Just give it to him. Just give it to him. He'll do more with it than you can do with it. That was for somebody. Verse 12, put on then as, I gotta make sure I pronounce really well. Check out that as. Put on then as, there's a reason I'm doing this. I'm not just trying to be controversial. As God's chosen ones. As. Not to become not to become, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? We think it says put on then so you can be God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility. But he says put on as, which means your identity is determined by your maker, not your mood. Don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. He says three things. He says you're chosen, he says you're holy, and he says you're beloved. I'm gonna go real fast through this, but I think we need to hear it. How you feel about yourself is irrelevant in light of what he says about you. How you feel about yourself is irrelevant. I use that word on purpose, irrelevant. It has no relevance. It has no bearing in light of what he says about you. He says you're chosen. He says you're holy. He says you're beloved. Chosen, some of y'all are like, curling up your toes for a second. She's like, oh no, he's gonna go here. Listen, let me make you feel comfortable. If you're like, I don't like the idea of God choosing people and not choosing other people. I looked it up. Chosen just means chosen. So if you're offended by the fact that God chose you, don't worry, he did. He still chose you, even if you're offended by the fact that he chose you. <laughs> your standing with him finds its foundation in his, in his sovereign selection of you as an object of his love. So how could you and anything you do have anything to do with earning it. He, look, I'm just what the Bible says, man. Don't get mad at me. Like you are chosen by him. He chose you. He said you didn't choose him. Well, I think I chose him. Yeah, but he chose you so you could choose him. Are you with me? Are you following me, church? Chosen. The Greek literally means to call out. He called you out. While you were still a mess, he called you out. While we were yet sinners, come on, Christ died for us. As chosen ones, are you following me? Are you with me? Are we together on this this morning? As chosen ones, so we're chosen. And then he says, holy. That means holiness is not about performance, but proximity. Prove it. Okay, I don't have a lot of time to go here, but, but you asked. So 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. Peter here pretty much says the same thing Paul says, and it's not gonna go up on the screen because I just thought of this, but 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, Peter says the same thing, but Peter is, is meaner than Paul. He says it more bluntly. So here's what he says. As obedient children, not to become obedient children, but as obedient children. Are you catching the difference? Do you hear the difference? As obedient children, he says, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, old self. 
Now we know what our old self was. It was former ignorance. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So if only God is holy, our only hope of being holy is to get close to the one who is holy. That's why we say your problem is not your problem, your proximity is your problem. We, we, we leave his presence in order to sin. We don't sin in his presence. Do you understand that? You leave his presence to go sin. If you abide in him and his word abides in you, you, you don't sin. That's what John tells us in 1 John. We leave his presence and we go try to find something else because we say this, this isn't satisfying me enough because I'm listening to my former ignorance rather than my new self. Hello, trying to help somebody. He says we're chosen. He says we're holy. And then he says we're beloved. This, this, I'll be honest with you, this caused me to just end up in a puddle of tears in a coffee shop in the middle of a bunch of people and probably made some people wonder what was wrong with me. Because he said you're, he said you're beloved. He didn't say you're lovely. He said you're beloved. He didn't say you're lovely. We've been spending a lot of time in the church trying to tell people that they're lovely. And the problem is you and I both know that we're not lovely. I hear messages about you're lovely. I hear, I hear, you're good enough, and you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And I'm like, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and trust me, there's a long line of people who don't like me. Well, just give yourself positive affirmations. That's stupid. That's lying. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and a lot of people don't like me. I tell people all the time, if you wanna get to me, get in the line of the people who like me, not the people who don't like me, because the line of the people who like me is a lot shorter than the line of people who don't like me. I'm a lot of people's favorite ex-pastor. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me at all. Because the reason they don't like me is because I'm just telling them what's in here. So that's fine with me. Listen, listen. You are not lovely, you are beloved. Lovely is about appearance. Beloved is about affection and acceptance. I'm I'm gonna get myself in trouble with the only person in this room I don't wanna get in trouble with. Okay, so just maybe offer me your couch this week. My wife is always my beloved, even when she's not lovely. See, beloved is not about appearance. It's about acceptance. Beloved, literally, word in Greek literally means to be fond of, to welcome, to have goodwill toward. He says you're beloved. Has nothing to do with your loveliness. Has nothing to do with your appearance. This is why understanding the chosen thing is so important. It's not just a doctrinal argument we can have. It's an understanding you have to have that he selected you. He calls you beloved. It has nothing to do with your loveliness. Well, he chose me because he knew I would choose him. Then you chose him. That's, that's, that's not a way around that verse, by the way. He chose you. We are called beloved God loves you because he has chosen to love you. Come on, if that does not fuel your worship, I have no help for you. I worship him because he called me beloved when I wasn't lovely. He called me beloved when I was in the worst part of my life. Listen, we don't clean up our lives and then get accepted to him. 
He, he drug me, at least. If anybody's like me, he drug me kicking and screaming out of my mess into his presence. Come on, the move for me from death to life was not a nice, happy, clean one. Some of y'all were there for some of it, you know. Calls us beloved, he doesn't call us lovely. Are you hearing me? Are you with me? Is that helping anybody? That means you have a standing invitation for intimacy. You say, well, I really, I really, you know, I would worship better this morning, but I really haven't done so great this week. Can I tell you something that you don't want to hear? You know the week that you did really great? It wasn't that great. You're being mean. No, I'm being biblical, because the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. So the week you did awesome, you were no more qualified for intimacy than the week that you did terrible. And we think that the way out of being terrible is to avoid his presence, but the problem is not your problem, proximity is your problem. So get into his presence and you'll find that the problems go away as we learn to live in his presence. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. Do I need to go back to just hammering the gospel in you? Or can we move to this place of understanding that I'm home in him, I'm at peace in him. I, have my, I already have my place. Why am I gonna go look for a place? I already have a place. Are you with me? Simplify it. Beloved doesn't mean he just loves you. It means he likes you. Well, we all have family members we love, right? But we miss their texts every time they text us. Oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember. It means he likes you. Come on. Verses, I'm gonna move real fast here. Verses 12 and 13. It's put on then, humility, kindness. 13, bearing with one another. And if one, if one has a complaint against another, when one has a complaint against another, talk to all your friends about it so that they get on your side. Post a passive-aggressive comment about it on Facebook. Tweet about it from your blocked Twitter account that nobody sees but your friends. No, it says forgive one another. Forgive each other, forgive each other. Listen though, as you have been forgiven. See, God is building a new people into a new people who are making a new people. So, so when we're reconciled to Christ, we're brought into his family. We're not just brought back into right reconciliation with him, we're brought back into his family together. Are you with me? You need other people. You were designed for community. God made everything, said it's good. God made everything, said it was good. God saw a dude by himself and went, not good. Made him a wife. Can I get an amen from all the married dudes? Come on. It's not good, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Well, listen, ladies, it's not good for you to be alone either. I, I pick on the dudes, but come on. I can prove, I did this with our, with our guys at our men's weekend. I can prove to you right now that you need other people. I can prove it to you without a shadow of a doubt. You wanna know why? He said, I don't need anybody, I know myself. Really? Your nose is less than two inches from your mouth, but you need somebody else to tell you when you have bad breath. You need somebody who loves you to walk up and go, hey, let's have a piece of gum. <laughs> Can I tell you something? When somebody comes up to you and offers you a piece of gum and says they want a piece of gum with you, they don't want a piece of gum. They know you need a piece of gum. They're just trying to create an atmosphere of grace so you can accept the piece of gum. We need other people. Come on. We need other people. We're built for community. Amen? It means we got to love each other. It means we got to accept one another. It means we have to forgive one another. Body of Christ is a genuine community of people, a new company that accepts one another, not because they are acceptable, but because we've been accepted. 
The body of Christ is a genuine community of people, a, a company of new, I would like to call it, that accepts one another, not because we are acceptable, but because we have been accepted. See, I don't accept you because like you've achieved enough to be accepted. I accept you because when I was not acceptable, and I'm still not, I was accepted. This comes down very clearly in verse 14 where we'll end here. And above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The ultimate goal of your transformation is that you would love like Jesus loves. That's the goal. That's where, that's where he's trying to get you. See, but the problem is the word love here is not an emotional word. It's agape. Anybody hung around church long enough to know what that word means? Agape, so, so in case you don't know, I have time to get in here. There's four words in Greek for love. See, in, Amer- in, in, in America, in American, in English, whatever, whatever we speak, um, we, we say we love everything, right? Like, I love cheeseburgers and I love my kids. I hope you don't love them the same. Uh, we say, I, I love this and I love that, and they mean very different. So in Greek, there's actually four words that mean different things. And the word that's used here, agape, is, 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 I love the way it's translated in the Old King James. Any Old King James lovers in here? I wish I could still just preach out of the Old King James. It's great, because you sound way more smarter when you preach out of it. All you gotta do is read it. And I was like, yeah, he's deep. You sound like a prophet, whether you're a prophet or not, when you read out of the King James. But it, it, it translates this word charity. Why? Because agape is not just a feeling love, it's a doing love. It's a laying down your life love. It's a putting others before you love. It's your best at my expense love. It's the love that Jesus loves us with. And guess what? It's a love that you do not possess. That's to let you off the hook, by the way. You, so, so this is the wonderful duality of the calling of God. Love people with agape love. You don't have agape love. So he gives you agape love. He loves you. This is, this is why I think it's so important for us to understand that we're loved so extravagantly because he loves you with more love than you can contain so that you have some love to give. Freely you have received, freely give. This is why we have to saturate ourselves in the love of God. It's not, it's not so you can have goosebumps. The love of God is not designed to make bad musicians have good worship experiences. All the worship people in the room are staring at the floor. Like, <laughs> Worship wasn't great, but I really felt God. Yeah, no, that's not what God's love is designed to do. It's not designed to give you goosebumps on the back of your neck or make you feel better about yourself. God loves you so extravagantly so you can love other people extravagantly because you have far more than you could ever do anything with. Are you with me? Are you together with me? This is the kind of love that we're supposed to have. Love should be the distinguishing mark. I'm gonna gonna quit preaching to the world. Love is to be the distinguishing mark of this church. When people walk in here, they should go, man, these people love Jesus, absolutely, but man, they love me. Super fast story, I, was, I told you I was at Starbucks, I was crying, got myself back together, trying to work through the message some more. These kids walked in, and they, they come into this Starbucks that I was in quite regularly, and they always come in with bags of food from the dollar store, and they're kind of those, those kids that they walk in, <clears throat> they look like they're in their maybe high school, early college age. They always walk in like junior hires, chest puffed out, looking to throw down with somebody. They walk in with bags of food from the dollar store and sit down and, and loudly eat it. Because I don't know why, but dollar store food all has to be packaged in plastic <laughs> the whole time. And they sat down right next to where I was. The only table that was open. They sat down in the chairs over there and they start eating. And I knew my time was up. I had to go get Adonaya. So 
and I start packing stuff up and put stuff away. I barely kind of got my composure together. And I, I look over and the kid goes, you got a problem, man? And if you know me, <laughs> you think the story is gonna go a different way than it's gonna go. Because my first thought was like, yeah, I have a problem and now so do you. Because you weigh like a buck 10 wet and I'm a righteous son of God. I felt like quoting Luke, this is not gonna end the way that you think. But I'm gonna be totally honest with you. That's, that is, if you know me, I'm not, I'm not, that's not me trying to be funny. That's genuinely barbarian. That's me. Was raised in an angry Irish family. That's just how we react. And here's the weird part. This is, this is honestly what happened. I said, yeah, I have a problem. You don't know how much you're loved by Jesus. And I literally went like, Come again now? Like, what did I just say? And he goes, yeah, I thought you were one of those, like, Christians. I saw your Bible. And I said, having a Bible doesn't make me a Christian any more than having a cheeseburger makes me a McDonald's. And his girlfriend, I think it was his girlfriend, the girl who was with him, he really needs to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Proceeded to share the gospel with him, and he went, cool, and then got up and, like, ran out out of the coffee shop left all of his dollar store food to like just out the door. And I was like, oh, he thinks he can get away. And so I packed up all this stuff and went out there and talked to him some more. And <laughs> You want to know the real story? You want to know the real story? Come here. <laughs> Come here. It's okay. I'm not going to beat you up here. Um, so he was standing there and I said, hey, man, I got your food. <laughs> and he turns around and he goes to grab it. I said, oh, you got to let me pray for you. I'm not trying to be weird. None of this is my personality type. And he goes, okay, so I handed him his food. <laughs> this was so dumb. Don't do this. I went like this. <laughs> and I just start praying for him. God, you love this young man, and you have a purpose for him, and he's trying to run from you, and he's trying to do stupid stuff, but you're going to get a hold of him, and you love him more than he knows you love him, and just show him that today. Amen. And I let go of his face, and he goes, Thanks. <laughs> You can sit back down. I have no idea why I did that, except that there's a new me that's beaten up the old me. You're supposed to love people. Don't grab them by the face. That was really, I mean, like, please, this is, this is descriptive, not prescriptive, okay? When people see this company of new, this, this body of Christ, Do they see love? Do do they see new? Do they see Jesus? Do they see agape? But here's the deal. This is is what I want to liberate somebody. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So me asking if people feel love is is not a condemnation, it's an indictment, which there's a difference. Me saying we, we have to be a people so saturated in God's love for us that it spills out on other people so that when a new face walks in the door, we can't help but run to them and love them. And Welcome Home quits being a, a, a statement on a card and a sticker on a window and becomes the very heartbeat of this house. 
But as people walk in, we say, welcome home. They say, well, I don't really know if I really believe all the stuff you believe. That's fine. You can still live here. Because what we have is better than what you have. And eventually you'll get around it long enough and you'll give up what you have. Let's stand to our feet. Thanks for letting me grab your face, son. I, I really feel this strongly this morning. Um, there's two, two things I feel like we need to respond to. <clears throat> the first is first really this is my problem I, I want to make this a call to respond but the reality is it's one of those calls to respond that everybody needs to respond to like there's nobody in this room that's like you know I've got enough of God's love I'm good I really genuinely felt like the Lord wants to reveal his love, to impart his love to you. He, he, the sense I have is he wants you to understand your beloved status. Not your lovely status. For too long, we've made it about being lovely. I'm gonna liberate you right now. You never have to be lovely to be beloved. Some of us are willing to be honest and not lie and remember what we looked like when we repented and believed the gospel. Come on, we, most of us come, I think there's a reason he calls it a new birth. Come on, it's, it's not pretty. Lots of screaming involved. brought in because of what he's done. This has nothing, this, this is the, why the chosen part is so important. It has nothing to do with you. It never has. So stop trying to make it about you now. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, you, you were brought in by grace and now you're trying to go by works? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. I feel like the Lord wants to reveal to some people your beloved status in him. He wants to show you your room. He wants to give you a place. Listen, he has a purpose for you. He has, without a shadow of a doubt, without it, he's got a purpose for you. But if you don't get to place first, you'll think your purpose will earn you your place and it never can. You can't afford the rent in his house. But he's prepared a place for you. And I can't do this by talking. He can do it in an instant. He wants to show you his love in a way that will make sense to you. Might not make sense to anybody else. If I told you how he showed me he loved me, it would make no sense to you. But it wrecked me for like a month. I wish it was still wrecking me today and I'm trying to get back to the place where it still wrecks me today. That, that was the first thing. I want us to take some time as we respond and I want us to invite him to reveal to us our beloved status. Home is home when you know you're beloved. When you know the invitation never wears out. Second, that whole idea of 
our earthly performance does not qualify or diminish or limit his eternal purpose. I feel like there's some people here this morning that if you're gonna be straight with yourself and with some other people, if you're gonna stop lying to yourself, stop lying to other people, if you're gonna be honest, you have really botched it in the realm of performance. And you think it's disqualified you from your purpose. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit just wants you to know it never was about your performance. People say, oh, this is gonna give people license to sin. No, it won't. His kindness leads us to repentance. Come on, he wants to reveal himself to you so that you stop knowing him from the back of a baseball card and you start knowing what it's like to play catch with him. He wants to show you that your inability to throw the ball doesn't make him not want to play catch with you. Holy Spirit, right now we just pray. God, I ask that you would begin to flood this room right now with an awareness for each and every one of your sons in this room of the place of beloved security that we have, the never-ending invitation, the door always open. Lord, free us from the lie that says we have to be lovely to be beloved. Free us from the lie that says we have to perform in order to have purpose. Holy Spirit, we just give you place here right now to begin to to reveal that to every heart. Listen, maybe this is new for you because you've, you've never had a relationship with God before. You've never, you've never done that confession thing we talked about. That's the pathway in. The pathway into to, to beloved security in Him is, is, the, is a door. It's the door of repent. Repentance simply means admitting and abandoning your sinfulness. Admit once and for all your sinful and then abandon it. And then listen to me, embrace him. Embrace the only one who says you're beloved. If you need to do that this morning, right, what are you waiting for? Just go for it. You gotta wait for somebody to come around and give you words to say. You have the words to say. Begin to open up your heart, open up your mouth to him. In a moment, we're gonna have some people over to stand and pray with you and that's great, but you can start right now. If you are doing that this morning, we would plead with you to grab that welcome home card and let us know you're doing it. All we ask for is, is, a, is a little, a tiny bit of information just so we can contact you and just write on there. I'm embracing Jesus. We're gonna move into response now where we'll partake of communion, the reminder of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, the bread, his broken body, the cup, his shed blood. These tables, listen, are open to anyone who has placed their faith in Christ. We say they're, they're closed to anyone who is not because Jesus never asks you to pretend like you're something you're not. And this is a gift given to those who have a relationship with him. So if you have repented or you even if you are right now, these tables are open to you.
We also will have some people down in this section. We move it over there to give you some privacy. I would challenge you if, if, if you need, and again, I know this is sort of like a, a throwing out a net that'll catch all the fish, but if you really feel like, man, I really need an impartation of that awareness of, of my beloved security in him, I would invite you to go make your way over it. So let somebody stand and pray with you because remember, you, you need other people. Come on, you, you need other people. Sometimes you just need somebody to put their hand on you and to pray for you and to allow the grace of God to move in your life. And the other side, I felt like if you are here and you would say, man, I, I, I've failed, I've botched it this week and I need to know that there's still grace. I feel like you need to make your way over there as well. So let me pray one more time and then we're gonna respond to the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We celebrate you. We rejoice that you are a, a God who calls us beloved even when we're not lovely, who instills us with purpose even when we stink at performing. So God, I just ask that you would move right now. Reveal your love, reveal your grace, restore purpose, restore dignity, help us stop lying about ourselves. Help us stop hiding, Lord. Be glorified, in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's respond to the Lord.